Fort Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. I am your host, Ashley Mahoney. Thank you for joining us today. And this fabulous October day, we have Charlotte Independence defender Hugh Roberts joining us. Hugh, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Of course, anytime. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And it seems like just yesterday we were on the podcast panel for the Charlotte Podcast Festival discussing all sorts of fabulous things about the world of sports, meeting the world of podcasting. And, you know, it's we're getting through. We're definitely getting through. Not so much in person uh, podcasting, but uh, we're, we're definitely getting through. That was a good time, though. Absolutely. Very good answering those questions, too, from everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. But nevertheless, today we're talking a little bit less about podcasting, a little bit more about the uh, first for the independence and a first for yourself, obviously, with this club because it hasn't happened before with the playoff match against Charleston taking place in Charlotte, or technically Matthews, at the Sportsplex at Matthews on October 10th, 7 p.m., limited number of tickets. All of the tickets are, well, all the proceeds from tickets are being donated to McKenna Woodhead, who is a young soccer player in the area who was paralyzed in a boating accident on Lake Wiley in 2018. But in addition to it being a fabulous philanthropic match itself in terms of the financial side is also playoff time. And when you looked at everything that happened over the course of January when preseason started until now, did it feel like there was ever a moment of, you know what, this this season it just isn't going to happen? And let alone, you know, actually making it through this entire condensed season, no issues with COVID, no one being quarantined or anything like that. I mean, it's you see what's going on around the city and around the country with other leagues. And it looks like you guys have had a pretty firm handle on making it through this pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shout out the team for staying. Hopefully we just got tested today, so let me not say nothing. But <laughs> I mean, shout out the team, right, for staying negative throughout the whole season. I mean, now the teams are getting contracted. We, we had one false positive. It was false. So it was just one player or two of the whole team. But everyone else has been good. But yeah, just based off our conversations before, I really, there's some points in my mind where I really wasn't sure if the season was going to happen. If anything, I didn't even know if it was going to be 16, probably less than 10. Um, I thought there was going to be a second wave coming around September that was going to get canceled too. I didn't even think we were going to finish the season. So it's been, it's been a world with the whirlwind though, just dealing with the new travel protocols, flying and busing, different places, hotel trips, can't leave the hotel. We're not like bubbled like the other teams, but we basically bubbled wherever we live. So. We don't really do much outside our homes and where we're hanging out with in the area. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, we all did, a, I guess, a decent job throughout the season, but I'm glad we finished and took first place. It was a great season, and here we are getting ready for, for this uh, first home playoff match ever. We're very excited for it. Like you said, you won Group G, and it looked like for a while that Birmingham was, you know, they were holding on. There was a big point disparity at one point, and you guys closed that gap overtook them, ended up finishing with 28 points at 8-4-4 four, four in this 16-game condensed regular season. Above Birmingham was who were 7-5-4, 25 points, and they ended up finishing the season on two losses. Your playoff clincher, if you will, came against NCFC. I bet it felt good to sweep them all four matches this season, right? 
But yeah, that was a great feeling. Especially after last season, it's just like it's so close, it's so close, and finally to do it for the first time in club history in league play. Like, all right, put put the ghost of NCSC to bed. Right. I mean, just having to play a team four times in a row is a mental battle within itself. A lot of, I mean, probably from the second game, dudes are like we're tired of seeing each other already. And I mean, just to do four wins is it's, it's tough mentally to overcome those things. Even yeah, so. It was a, a mental, mental grind this whole season mentally without fans playing either. A lot of months too. So yeah, it was different, but here we are. We're excited. And you had to go up to Cary to play NCFC in the regular season finale in a game that ended up getting postponed because, you know, thankfully there was a little bit of a schedule hiccup for you guys. You know, playing Miami and games like that early on. But for the most part, it was fairly smooth and not having to have too many games rescheduled because of any COVID concerns. And, you know, for instance, with Miami, Florida's numbers were really, really high in August when that game was supposed to happen. Pardon me, not August, in July when that game was supposed to happen and ended up getting postponed. But from there, you ended up having the game against NCSC push from a Wednesday to a Saturday. You go up there. It's the final time. Everything's riding on not only making the playoffs, but potentially clinching the group. What was the mentality heading into the finale? Yeah, I mean, this is you're talking about the one at NCSC, right? Now, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. NCSC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the game against NCSC, I mean, obviously we knew we could draw and also get in that same way, but this is the derby day. We wanted to have the chance for a full season sweep. That's history making too. We knew we we wanted we wanted that win badly, regardless of anything that happened. We wanted that win. We also knew we could we could uh, take first place with a win as well, regardless regardless of what happened with Birmingham. They lost, but we knew we wanted that win regardless. Just to send a message too that we're here to stay and keep that momentum to the full playoffs. So you guys were responsible for half of NCFC's losses this season. And of course, with group play, you know, it's the nature of things, but at the same time, having the ability to brag about something like that, they ended up finishing 6, 8, and 1, 19 points, third in Group G, so along with Memphis at 4, 7, and 4, and 16 points, they're both eliminated. You guys, as well as Birmingham, advance into the playoffs, and now you get the fun part of hosting Charleston. And of course, like you mentioned with the rivalry with NCFC, that's the in-state rivalry, but there has always been kind of this old guard with Charleston Battery. They're one of the oldest teams in the league prior to the Richmond Kickers dropping down out of USL Championship and the Charlotte Eagles dropping down out of USL Championship. Those three were kind of the foundation of the clubs who had made it and continued to stay in the league, managed to ward off the sometimes challenging financial situations that come with the minor league sports in this country, but they were part of that old guard. So when you have expansion clubs coming in, like you Queensboro up in New York, and you've got other clubs like Birmingham, the Independence even, so there's a, an element of still having to prove yourself, if you will, and now you get to take on the old guard. So how, how important is this, not only to, for it to be a playoff game, but to say, you know what, there's a, there's a new club in the Carolinas. Yeah, yeah, we, we're treating this like a rivalry game. Uh, every game with, with them is a battle. Uh, even throughout my career, I've, I've lost in playoffs to myself, so uh, it's a little redemption month as well. But yeah, it's an old guard team that's been around for a while, a team that's always been consistent, a team that, you know, might be second in the group, but they just beat the first place team in their most recent game, three to one, pretty good score as well. And so, we know it's going to be a battle. We want to prove ourselves. We earned that first place for a reason, for home for a reason too. So, 
It's also a reunion of sorts for leading goal scorer Dane Kelly, who signed with the club in January. He leads the club with 11 goals, and he's proven, I don't know if clutch is the right word to describe how much he's come up for you guys this season. But, you know, from hat tricks, I mean, I asked you about it a couple months ago, and you called it. You said it was going to happen, and lo and behold, it did. He had the assist for Valentin Sabella's game winner that sends you guys into that first place spot against NCFC last weekend. How important has Dane been to this club over the last several months? He's been vital to our success. I mean, just to see his work work ethic every day on the field, it just speaks to what's going on on the field. I'm telling you, my man works hard off practice before and after practices. He's finishing, working on his craft. He could be the leading scorer, but he's hungry to get to wherever he wants to achieve, go in his dreams. So I know he's going to get there, but he's been the reason, not the reason, but one of the key figures into why we were able to get over our home comparison to, uh, this is say last year, first day when we were coming up with a losing season. Just to have a consistent score with 10 plus goals, it, it does wonders for us too, especially in a short season like this. So. I'm really happy for the success that he's had and helped us get to where we are right now today. In addition to that, on the flip side, if you will, you've got Brandon Miller holding it down between the pipes, and he leads the league with 61 saves. And, of course, to have the season, like you guys had last season, where it just it seemed like a clean sheet was almost, it just just wasn't happening. And there were coaching changes and other forces at play, if you will. But now... You ended the regular season on a clean sheet. There have been multiple clean sheets this season. How different is the chemistry, and not even the chemistry back there, but just the fluidity and the way that you guys are able to play out of the back? Yeah, you can tell we've been playing with each other for some time now. I think having a year under our belt from last year to this year definitely helped us a lot. A good off-season living here together, training on every day, together, helped our chemistry. And I've always been someone to believe that your chemistry off the field speaks how it is on the field. Yes, okay, sometimes it doesn't really translate that, like that, but 90% of the time, if you're, you know, really close to that person off the field, it's going to speak to on the field because you just have that extra edge that you want to, you know, work hard and die for that person. Well, he's behind me now, so behind me or in front of me sometimes. So it just speaks to our chemistry and sometimes without even looking, I know where he is. And I know that, you know, he's going to make certain saves. I trust him whenever he shouts keeper kind of thing. And there's a lot of trust with us and I think that spoke to our success as well. In addition to that, you've been very successful off the field along with teammates like Brendan who have been advocating throughout, not just this year, but you use your platform as a professional athlete to advocate for those who are, whether you prefer to use terms like less fortunate or whatever the case may be with your initiative and foundations and making sure that you're helping Charlotte's homeless community and people who that community has grown a lot over the last several months with people losing their jobs because of COVID, people being evicted because of COVID, and so many things where it feels like there are circumstances that are out of their control. And what you've done with your foundation, raising not only funding, but like you said on previous episodes of wanting people to know that, hey, this isn't just a check and great and wonderful, hope this money helps, okay, bye. It's making sure that people know that you're invested in the community. And this is something that's translated to the work that you've been doing on and off the field league-wide informing the USL Black Players Coalition. Talk to me a bit about what's gone on into the forming, the formation of that, as well as where things stand now heading into the playoffs and toward the end of the season. 
Yeah, I'd have to say, you know, going back to kind of my episodes, the Black Lives Matter player edition episodes back in June, kind of got us all together and kind of talking off the, off the screen, you know, talking in the group chat, how we want to change, how we want to keep speaking about the stories. We're wanting another episode badly. It's kind of what led me to the part two. I hope we got some guys on that. But, yeah, I mean, I, after having those conversations and, you know, the killing and the movement that was going on, um, you know, the MLS had their whole focus situation and their movement as well. But then, you know, just speaking up in general, I realized just using your platform sometimes makes people aware of what's really going on, especially clubs and owners who think that, you know, putting out a statement is just good enough or, you know, bringing the club to get the team, the team together for a little meeting in the locker room to say, I'm here for you and nothing happened with that. I mean, after my second episode of Black Lives Matter Players Edition, the ties spoke out in Cincinnati and they donated 250000 to diversity and minority programs for the community. And right there, they sent a clear message to me that one, clubs think what they did in the past is good enough and clearly they realize hearing from their players is not. Too. We have a little platform, and it's time to you know, use it sometimes. That's why I kind of steered my uh, podcast into that direction. So that that was an initiation, and then we were talking for months and months um, along. You know, when we wanted to form, have multiple Zoom meetings. MLS announced theirs, so we knew we were going to announce ours soon. But then the you know NBA protested that Tuesday or Wednesday that week, and decided not to play the games. WNBA, MLS, all played across the country. So we knew we had to capitalize on that moment. And it was, was going to be tough for us, you know, cancel games. A lot of players are on little money or on pay-to-play contracts where they only get paid when they're playing games. So we knew that would be tough, especially with championship and league. League one trying to be in sync. So, but we also knew that we did have to announce ourselves that week as well to capitalize on that moment to, you know, explain why we're doing these movements. So within 24 hours, that there's youth of games on the Friday, so that Thursday we got together with 100 plus players, you know, talked about what protests we wanted to do over the weekend. We're in contact with the league, and, you know, we announced that Friday, but everything was in a 15-hour window, you know, hours and hours of, you know, sorting things out. So it was, it was kind of tough, you know, getting everyone player-wise and league-wise and club-wise throughout league winning championship to all, you know, being synced with the protests. So we decided ultimately to let every club do a protest in their way, but still do some form of protest to show unity. Now it was unique within itself, within the club too. Every club protested, but it was in their unique way. And so a lot of us did the same things together. And now from there, I mean, it's taken off. It's crazy what's going on. I mean, I've had some big discussions with guys from score, like Eddie Pope, Kobe Jones, those kind of guys to guys, um, the Players Coalition, uh, US Vote, whatever partner with, trying to, you know, enact change within the voting systems. And um, we, just saw, uh, we just announced our partnership with Black Arrow, highlighting again, you know, black stories and black journeys that we're going to you know, work with soon. And now we're in the process of, we had, meet, we had a meeting with the league as well, the commissioner. That was awesome too, you know. I mean, it was just an initial meeting, kind of breaking the ice, but. We're going to continue to have meetings with them, trying to enact, you know, concrete change, everlasting change, things like more blacks in coaching position, higher up positions, ownership positions, more black attendance, more blacks, you know, getting opportunities. And so, you know, we've had the MLS Players Coalition behind us. We had the Players Association behind us, MLS behind us, the league behind us. So we've been forming some good groups, and now this off season coming up, hopefully. 
we could point into the next season after discussions with the league, we can start enacting actual change that's going to be everlasting in the communities. What has the response from the league been thus far? Has there been any hesitation on their part, or has it been just open arms, tell us how, how to change, how to make this so that the players feel valued, seen, and heard, but also that translates into the front office, into the fans, and so forth? What was the last thing you said? You were breaking up. So. Oh, no, no worries. It's a, a te- technology. It's the beauty of 2020. But what, what has the response been from the league itself? Yeah, it's, it's been, I'll say helpful. It's been, they've definitely been receptive on a lot of fronts. They've been, you know, the conversations I said, I would say the first one was a smooth conversation. You know, they've been open to everything we've been suggesting to them. Helpful in terms of media push, supporting us. The commissioner himself says he supports us in what we're doing. And, you know, wants to help in that change to feel really understand a lot of the issues that's going on within this country. And, you know, he wants to make some kind of change as well. So, it's been very helpful to have them behind us still in these personal steps because if, if we didn't have the league behind us, it kind of would have looked bad on both fronts and wouldn't have gone this smooth. So it's definitely been helpful. We haven't had those concrete, tough conversations yet in terms of what we want next and what we want enacted. So those will come up soon, but they've been helpful and they've been open listening to us and receptive, definitely. As a veteran in this league, what do you want to see by the end of 2021 or even as soon as next preseason? I'd like to see a couple more black coaches get hired in this league, definitely. Maybe a couple more owners as well, black owners as well. Um, I definitely want to see another USL announcement diversity programs. Well, I want to see a lot more clubs and their communities get involved. That's something we want as a, as a alliance. That's what we want as a group. That's something me, myself personally, I, Clubs have a lot of power, and I didn't realize that until I spoke up this year, just meeting the president and talking to the CFO and what they can do. And, uh, you know, some things I asked them themselves, like, you can do this. Why haven't you? We've been doing it before I even came. But, yeah, they have a lot more power than we think. And so I want to see some clubs now, like in New Mexico and other clubs, just start getting involved in your communities or making a difference, and you're there in that community for a reason. Do you think that New Mexico set a standard or the standard with their diversity fellowship? Definitely set a standard. Definitely were the ones from the jump to be in the forefront. Of the, you know, what a club's going to do in their own little way. Every club I know is going to do different things, but they're definitely on the forefront. I commend them for setting a standard. I, I, would, I don't know who knows what the standard is right now because this is the whole new movement that's just starting, but I definitely think there's more ways to keep going, more ways that, you know, clubs can make change and things. So, I mean, shout out, shout out to Troy out there doing his thing, you know, you know, enacting that, that movement and that change. He's been helpful even with my foundation, too, behind the scenes, too. So, big shout out to him. It, it certainly is. Um, I know that when you signed with the club, he had already left to go coach in New Mexico. But I am sure it would have been interesting to see the two of you out at training together and just what that relationship would have looked like here on the ground because I'm sure it's, he was a, a supreme jokester, if you will, but uh, also in a, 
he had an unfortunate flaw that his being a Liverpool supporter. But we won't hold that against him, especially after their performance over the weekend with that, I believe it was a 7-2 loss. We won't hold that against him. But um, I know he's listening to this laughing, saying, you know, Ashley, United lost 6-1 to Spurs. Don't don't even. So, you know, it's, it's all fair enough when it comes to the game. So as things continue and everything heads into this first playoff match, hopefully the first of many, but what rituals do you have before playoffs, or is there anything where it's just you treat it like any other game, or is it, all right, no, this stock has to go on this way, this stock has to go on this way, and right boot's got to be tied before the left one or anything like that? Uh, not before playoffs, really like that's the same routines I've always had, but the same routines have to be intact for sure. I mean, I guess... It might be amped up with like maybe a certain celebration in order for score. I definitely I scored in Pittsburgh in 18. I'm trying to score again. So maybe that, that's heightened definitely. Um, family's coming in town too. So definitely that's something that I'm looking forward to as well. But the same routine has to be intact. Maybe a couple more songs that are added into it from, you know, the past. The song, music matters too. Music is keeping me. But, uh, no, nah, the same patterns for the most part, and just in terms of those little differences right there, just for playoffs. What's your go-to pre-match playlist? I mean, I'm, I'm all about new music as well, too. 21 Savage was dropped his, so that would definitely be bumping this weekend. <laughs> now, are you a headphones, head down in the locker room kind of guy, or are you responsible for the music playing in the locker room and you get everyone else pumped up? I'm a headphones, head down kind of guy. I mean... Everyone has a different vibe. Well, people, I definitely vibe with every every song that, you know, they bump in the locker room or that what guys like. But I like stuff that might be part of so-and-so or what they're playing as well. Or sometimes I don't like when they play a certain song. I just, I don't like to mess up my rhythm and my groove. So I even, on a way, just provide the speaker that we listen to the locker room. So I give it to somebody and put my own headphones in so I can go back in my zone. <laughs> That's definitely me. This we've talked about this earlier, but there's an interesting dynamic of really young guys and rookies and then veterans on this team. And the name that comes to mind throughout this is of course Valentin Sabella. And to see the way that he's continued to develop and to hit a right footed rocket for the winner last weekend. I mean, the kid's a lefty. And he he's twenty one years old. His journey from UPSL to USL Championship, I mean, it's its the stuff that they make movies about. It's the quote-unquote, you know, the thing that dreams are made of. You go from playing, you know, semi-pro to getting a pro contract before your 21st birthday. How big of a season has this been for him? It's been a, it's been a good, very good season for him. I mean, it's been a growing season coming off last year to this year, I feel like he He's definitely understanding the system more and just gain, gaining more confidence as a pro. I would say this is still, yeah, COVID and everything. This uh, this considered the sound like happened through the season. Maybe this is like his first full full season in terms of away trips and everything battling, you know, lineup changes. Yeah, but he's definitely coming to form and coming as a pro. Even to come off the bench is a, a whole another mental battle psyche that you have to deal with, and be prepared for, and so. To be a young player, too, and staying hungry and ready, I, I commend him for that. And, I mean, that's, that's definitely a confidence boost for that goal. It, it caught me by surprise a little bit. I was extra hyped for my boy. But that just speaks to all the work he also has been putting in, you know, finishing-wise with all foot. Now, all of a sudden, this past couple weeks, he's banging in more goals with his right foot all of a sudden after that goal. But, 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> All right, that's what uh, Coach Mike Jeffers is saying earlier this week. Said, I give him stick about you know, the the right foot all the time but he's like no he truly does work at it and it truly was a surprise and impressive to see that he you know created that opportunity for himself and was like you know what I can take this on my weak foot it's not a problem and to have that level of maturity and confidence in his game as he's developed but of course the game the beauty of the game is that you want to continue to grow and evolve in your own game so talk to me a bit about where your game stands heading into this final, well, not final, this first playoff match. My mind is still in regular season. Clearly, no one told me that we're in October and not in September anymore. But... Like how I personally feel about this season and coming into the season. With your development of your game, was there anything specifically that you wanted to work on as a center back heading into this season? And where would you assess your own development? Yeah, I mean, playoffs was a big goal of mine, but as... Personally, myself, I wanted to be more calm and composed as a center back on the ball. And that, I, I felt like definitely throughout this season, I um, also changed my diet some too, which has helped me. I became a pescatarian starting in the season, so that helped me mentally just think I feel calm and, you know, ready myself. So a good amount of games, I can tell you that, you know, I might invite an extra, an extra forward attack me. I might hold the ball for an extra two seconds, and I normally wouldn't have done that. It might have been... The younger Hugh might have been, you know, better safe than sorry and just kicked it out. But, I, you know, just being out here, being with Enzo, being with last year, guys like Alex and Jorge, a lot of veteran pro guys last year, helped my confidence and just watching them, how they might take an extra second, hold on to the ball, they might move a defender, help me as a center back, you know, hold on to the ball for an extra second and lose a certain defender, bouncing it. I, I definitely feel my game has raised since I've been here in Charlotte um, from a tactical and technical standpoint just, you know, composed-wise, being on the ball through, like, the play here. And that's what the other guys emphasize here, just being composed to the ball. Deciding to become a pescatarian, I can't let you go before I pick your brain about that one. What made you decide to go that route, and what's your go-to fish, if you will? Salmon or cod or tuna, or is it something that I may never have even heard of? My pescatarian yeah. knowledge is growing. <laughs> Salmon's up there, sway's up there. I heard sway's a little fattening though, but sway and I def- there's a lot of seafood spots out here. Um, and also, there's a lot of soul food places too that also accommodate for vegetarians. So I'll just go to a soul food spot, get a veggie platter with like collard greens, macaronis, sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes. And that's a bomb vegetarian meal right there, you know? Um, but, you know, I just felt like I'm going to let them do a little bit, so I always used to be, believe in eating, like, your steaks and chicken all the time to, you know, gain the weight and that kind of thing, and I'm not gaining anything. Um, and then I'm also, you know, sometimes before games and the day before games leading up to the, literally before kickoff, I'm still feeling, like, groggy mentally a little bit, maybe feeling, like, a little sluggish, some, I might have eaten, eaten some, you know, bread steak before, just some, maybe even uh, I ate out, you know, some processed meat or something. Now there's a lot of foods out there. So it's just also sort of affecting my game before. I mean, yes, you couldn't tell sometimes I, I, you know, I persevered through it, but I'm just in terms of me, just immensely being that 100%. I wanted to change things coming into my last year of my contract. That was, that definitely played a role. This is my last year of my contract, so I wanted to come correct this year. So, um, yeah, it's been a great decision for me, and there's a lot of seafood places out here, and I love seafood. So I was like, you know, it should be a, a smooth decision. And you mentioned last year of your contract. 
anything on the horizon in terms of signing a new one here or just finish up the season and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's all I'm going. There's been no talks here yet. I'm just really just going with the flow every day. <laughs> yeah, I really just like, like this virus. I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what's going to happen to me this off, this off season. Well, we'll certainly be keeping our eyes and ears open and bugging you as soon as, you know, the pen hits the paper or whatever the contract version looks like now, a digital signature. I'm sure it's still pen on paper, but nevertheless, we'll be bugging you about that in the, I would say, you know, not too distant future, but this entire year just feels like it's either going by really quickly or really slowly. So it depends on how that day feels, but as always... Appreciate you joining us on Sports Charlotte Zoom Edition because, you know, that's the way things work right now. So, much success in the playoffs on the 10th of October at 7 p.m. at the Sportsplex at Matthews against Charleston Battery. Charlotte Independence center back Hugh Roberts joining us. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you out there. Absolutely. And for those of you who are longtime listeners of Sports Charlotte, you've heard us mention Backyard Footy before, but... For those of you who are listening for the very first time, make sure that you check out Hugh's podcast, Backyard Footy. It gives you a fantastic behind-the-scenes look at the lives of players and what it's like to be a professional athlete. And that can be anything from dealing with the game itself to on-field issues to off-field issues to so, so many things. And particularly the Black Lives Matter series, make sure that you check that out. And until next time... Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Ashley Mahoney. Check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify, everywhere that you listen to your podcast. I'm going to go get some more coffee. It's that kind of day. Thanks again for listening. Sports Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.